mind, body, spirit. The martial arts are a way of life. Attack life, not others, is an insight into that life. With Sensei Tim Hoover. One thing I never forgot was where I came from. I think it's important, especially in the martial arts, it's important as just as a living being, that you never forget you know, where you came from. So I want to start this episode with a, a story about a great master that I actually, I, I feel he was a master and um, much older than me. I don't even know if he's still on this earth, but I trained under him years ago like I trained under a lot of different guys. And this guy was special. He was a storyteller. And he told me this really neat story about a fish. And, you know, initially I start the story. It's going to sound kind of hokey, but it really isn't until you, you know, you, you wait till the end. And I'm going to try to make it brief. But he made this impact on me that still stays with me today. And he talked about the story about this fish. And it goes like this. There was this fish at the bottom of the sea, a young fish. And he's swimming around to all the other fish. And he asked them and he said, have you ever broke the plane of the water? Do you know what it's like up there? And all the fish said, no, no, we're not allowed to go up there. You know, you can't go up there. And he says, well, I'm going to break away and I'm going to see what it's like. So the fish, this little young fish, swims to the top of the ocean and he breaks the plane and he cannot believe what he feels. He feels this incredible light on his back. And so he pierces the water again and again and again. And he looks up to the sky and he sees this beautiful light. He goes back down and he tells the other fish what he experienced. And they were like, no, no, I don't want to do that. That's okay, you know, but be careful because you just don't know what's out there. He said, well, I'm going to go back up every day until I can figure out what it is. So for days and for weeks, he goes up and pierces the plane of the water and he can feel the light in the back. And all of a sudden, he sees this old man walking alongside the beach, not too far away from where he was. And he decides that every time he pierces the water, he asks him, Uh, master, teacher, old man, please help me live in the light. I want to feel this light all the time. And initially, the master for the first couple days ignored him, but he kept doing it over and over and over. One day, he feels himself as he pierces the water, breaks through the water, he feels his hand come out and he grabs, uh, the old man grabs the fish and brings him back onto the shore and says to him, I will teach you how to live in the light and how to live in this air and how to breathe. You just have to listen to me and I will teach you if this is what you want. So the master teaches him how to live above the water. And this goes on for weeks and months and he stays above the water and he doesn't go back down. And he lives with the master in this great, beautiful, huge mansion inside the village of this old town. And they get to become very, very close friends over a period of time. Later, as months would go on, the master said to this this young fish, he says, "Uh, I have to go into the village to get supplies to get groceries. Would you like to come along? He said, no, I would like to stay here in the garden. It was a walled garden and the the wall went up about four or five feet, all stoned all the way around. And he said, I would just like to lay here in the light and just bask here in the light until you come back. So the master carried the fish out, laid them down on the cool stone. And all of a sudden master leaves, but all of a sudden this deluge of rain, a hard storm comes in and fills up this fenced-in garden with water, and the fish drowns. And I was impacted by the story because I looked at this old man who told me the story, and I was like, what happened? And he says, what's the moral to the story? I said, I don't, I don't know. And so he tells me that the moral to the story is never forget where you came from. The fish forgot how to swim. He forgot that he came from the bottom of the ocean. It's good to feel the sun, feel the light in your back, and explore new things. 
That's what makes this country, that's what makes this world so great. But at the same time, never forget where you came from. The fish forgot how to swim. And that makes me realize, as you know, as I talk about these days now, so many days later, so many years later, as to where I am. Steve, you know, 62, going to be 63, still training. You know, I train in a beautiful place now. I have two schools. I got a lot of students, and I, I'm surrounded by a lot of love, to be honest with you. A lot of passion, a lot of interest. And I look back at the days when, you know, I started and how I started. And I'd like to just share that with, um, you know, with the students who listen to this. Yeah, please do. So the first part of the story is when I started. You know, I was um, 16, 17, 1972, 1973. And um, I'm lighted up by this, if you want to call it a light or an image on the screen called Bruce Lee. And I don't know what it was. I guess maybe his charisma, maybe what he stood for. He was very courageous, very fast. It was like poetry in motion. Some people are taken back maybe by a football player, baseball player. Well, this for me was it. It was, wow, this is something I really want to do. And at that time, there really wasn't a lot of martial arts in the area. You had a couple choices, maybe Taekwondo. There was a Kung Fu school. There was a lot of Judo schools back then, but nothing like today, nothing like today. So you know, what I did is I pursued it and I drove from where I lived into Allentown and it was about a 30 minute trip. And I started training in a Taekwondo place. And the funny thing about it is the teacher's name was Bruce Long. And he was an American guy, young guy, but his name was Bruce Long. Not Bruce Lee, but Bruce Long. He was a great guy, and his teacher was a Korean guy, but he would only come around like uh, once a month. And this particular teacher, Bruce Long, good teacher, but when the Korean guy came, it just elevated the class. And it was packed. The school was packed with a lot of guys that wanted to learn this thing called Taekwondo. And... Um, it was tough. I remember, you know, I got my first belt. It was a blue belt. And then in 1973, uh, 1973, 1974, we had a gas crunch, believe it or not. I couldn't get gas for our cars. And we had to go on odd and even numbers based on the license plate. And I was a young kid starting out. I had a job, wasn't making a lot of money. And so I had to quit. I couldn't afford to drive. So I quit for a while. Years later, a couple of years later, I think a year and a half or two years later, I moved up to a place further north of me and found a school up there, another Taekwondo teacher. It was an ex-military guy. He was a paratrooper, and he was teaching what he called modern Taekwondo, and that's where I rooted myself. Uh, he was tough, and he was crazy in a way that just made me really change a lot of things, my diet, the way I lived, the way I slept. I just immersed myself in his training. He was a good teacher. Anyway, what I'd like to finish here is that I remember there wasn't as many belts as we have today. There was just a few. And you were in these belts a long time. I was a brown belt for a long time, two and a half years or so. And I was uh, ready to go for the next belt, the ready belt to get to black. And I can remember him pushing me inside the dojo. And I thought I was prepared for it, but I wasn't. Today, it would be in comparison to what we would call our Cholombo. Anyway, I was in the middle of the test towards the end of the time and asked for a break. I said, um, uh, Master Nino, with all respect, can I just take a break? I feel like I'm going to throw up. And uh, he says, you have a minute or so. And the bathroom door was, oh, maybe about 15 feet away. So I walked, got there somehow, opened the door. Now, you have to understand the description of the men's room. There was no lockers. It was just a barren room with one toilet in the middle. And the toilet was not covered with like a any kind of walled area around it. It was just there. You walked in, you had, you had a couple chairs, there was no shower, and there was just this toilet. And it was the middle of summer when I was doing this test, and 
all I could see was this toilet and it had this moisture that was at the bottom of the toilet and I just stuck my face on it. I just laid there and stuck my face on this, uh, this cold porcelain. Anyway, I, it brought me around enough, I guess, until I heard his voice and he says, get out here, you fail. And so the next thing you know, I somehow, you know, got out there and finished the test. But at the end, I was, you know, awarded with the belt and ranked up. And I walked in, I looked at that toilet one more time and thought, oh my gosh, how disgusting was that? But that's the only thing that I knew to save my life at that time was something cool on my face. So the things that you'll do to uh, persevere, especially when your spirit is trying to continue and physically you're so drained that you don't know if you can do it or not. But that is uh, at least the first part of where I was. I was in my early 20s. That was how eventually I achieved my black belt in Taekwondo. Thank you for listening to Attack Life, Not Others. Subscribe to our podcast. And for more on Sensei Hoover's way of life through the martial arts, go to hooverkarate.com. This has been a Steve Mittman Social Media creation. Creation, creation. Steve Mittman Social Media.com.